to clarify on one of the announcements here a minute ago. There is, usually we have fifth Sunday singing on, guess which Sunday of the month? Fifth Sunday. Oh man, you guys are great. Fantastic. Fifth Sunday. And then our life groups on the first and third Sundays of the month. This month we're going to switch it around, okay, because we're going to have next Sunday, which is the fifth Sunday, we'll have life groups. So be prepared to, uh, to meet in your life groups next week. If you do not have a life group or would like to participate, see Rob. Where's Rob at? There he is, right here. He's the man that will get you set up there. And then the first weekend in October, we're going to have a worship and singing workshop. There's a in the um, on the bulletin board. You can check it out. But Luke Barnett, who has done a lot of training and, and study and, and leading songs, is going to come. And on Sunday or Saturday evening, and there's the times are, are listed there, and we'll send out a flock note to give a reminder. On uh, Saturday evening, there's a time that Luke is going to work with people who are uh, interested in song league and, and anybody else who would like to come and just be there to learn some of, of, of what goes on as far as planning assembly like this. And then on Sunday, at, we'll have our, our worship assembly um, and then the first... Uh, and then from 4.30 to 6.30, and we'll have a meal afterwards on Sunday evening, we'll have a time of, of singing together, uh, putting into practice some of the stuff that, that we've learned. And so excited for that. Two weeks from, from this weekend, and that's coming up. And also, I just wanted to, I hadn't heard that Ken had, uh, had answered a call of God, and Ken, our prayers go with you. I know that that's a... Uh, Love you much, and uh, but, but sometimes there's you know, three forks is down the road to small church, and need a hand. I think that's a, a great blessing that, and I believe as a church we can send Ken with all the love and prayers. And hey, be here, man. Whenever whenever something else is happening, uh, just love you and appreciate you. And we're, there's another couple we're sending, and they gave me the blessing just to to mention Mike and Ashley Carpenter right over here. Mike raised his hand just a little bit. Okay, that's good, right there. Um, Mike and Ashley are, are behind-the-scenes type of people. They were in our life group this last time around and got to know them some. And just tremendous couple. And they are um, in the process and will be leaving this week. Their house is up for sale. They're back to Oregon, to the area that, that Mike, is, uh, Mike grew up. And it was really neat here a few weeks ago. I sat down with them, and they said, we're planning on moving. And I asked them why. Because that's a, that's a big question. You know, why, why do we uproot somewhere else and, and go, go somewhere and Mike said, one of the, the big things that came up immediately was, the church that I grew up in is doing some really good stuff, and I'm excited about what's happening there, and I want to go help out and be a part of that. And I think, man, fantastic. You know, that's, that's the great motivations for moving when we have some spiritual direction saying, I believe that God can use me in the place where we're trying to move, and we want to really be involved in that and we want to be excited about that. And so, Mike and Ashley, our prayers go with you. It's been great to have you with us here for a few years. And uh, if something changes, you come back here, you've always got a church family here. But uh, you can be sure and uh, uh, give your blessings and uh, to Mike and Ashley uh, this morning. All right, we're going to continue on with Luke chapter 2. We've, uh, uh-oh, it's catching up. All right, there we are. Okay, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 today, and we started in Luke chapter 1 the last few weeks. And if you remember, when it's announced that Jesus is going to be born, this Messiah that had been talked about, and as Martinez read here just a minute ago from Micah, several hundred years before Jesus ever came, Micah prophesied that the great king was going to come, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And so here we have all of this coming to fruition. But even before that, Zechariah, which is John the Baptist's father, and Mary, 
who's the mother of Jesus, shared that Jesus shared about Jesus' mission and what it was going to be about. And they talked about mercy. They talked about people who who were, who were proud and arrogant are going to be brought low, and people that that are humble are going to be raised up and honored by God. And also that there is going to be teaching about the forgiveness of sins. All the sins that, that burden us, all the sins that we've got are going to be wiped clean. And, and Jesus and John the Baptist are going to share how to do that. So we get into chapter 2, the very beginning of chapter 2 of Luke. And I'm going to read just a section here. Jesus is born. And you know the story that Joseph and Mary have to leave where they're living and come back to Bethlehem, which is where, where Joseph is from, that area. That's where his... his ancestry is from. So they go back to the census. But you know how government programs work. They don't always work on our timeline. And so Mary is very pregnant at this point in time. They travel. They get there. And there's no room in the inn. There's no place for them to stay. And so Mary and a very, excuse me, Joseph and a very, very pregnant Mary are left basically with, oh great, where on earth are we supposed to stay? Now can you imagine the pressure that you might be feeling as Joseph if you're in this situation? Oh man, my wife is about ready to have a baby and we have no place to stay. How on earth is this going to work out? You can imagine the tension and, and the, the burden that may be on Joseph's shoulders here. They find a place, they find a stable that had been cleaned out. And in fact, I stayed in a stable once. In uh, Switzerland, there was a place that when I was traveling, uh, when I lived in Europe, where a lady would, would clean out her barn, put straw down, and you could sleep on the straw during the busy season when the cows were out at pasture. Maybe this is a similar situation there. So Mary and Joseph make do with what they've got. They come in, they stay in this, this area, and there's a manger there where would be a feed trough normally. And uh, J- Jesus is born, and they place him there, which is really different than what you would expect from a king. Right? What you'd expect from a king is a place where, uh, where he's, he's placed that is, that is in great honor, not a feed trough. But again, this shows the type of ministry that Jesus is going to have. He's going to reverse the perspective that people have about what it means to be, to be blessed by God and, and not. But look at what happens here in the middle of all of this. Is there's angels appear to the shepherds. And I'll read this. But the angels said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. When the angels had, had left him, them and gone into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So look at this amazing situation. The shepherds are told, here he is. All of the prophets talked about, all that they shared, it's coming. And here it is. And here's the excitement. And so the shepherds say, wow, you know, that's pretty neat. This is pretty amazing. I think we're just going to keep this to ourselves and we're not going to share this good news to anybody. Right? Wrong. Yeah, wrong. Yeah, Phil, see, Phil always gets it right there. That's it. Wrong. That's not what happens. They look at this and think, wow, this is exactly what we've been waiting for. And the angels tell us that Jesus has come, this Messiah, this King has come, and we're going to go and tell everybody about it. And this is awesome. And so we're not going to spend any more time on the birth of Jesus here because we'll, we'll tackle that some more another time. But what happens next is 
we see a couple of individuals that, that impress me a lot. In chapter 2, I'll start reading in verse 25. And what happens is they bring Jesus, his parents bring him to the temple because there's some sacrifices that were involved in the firstborn child. And look at verse 25. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who is righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the, of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be re- revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul also. Okay, there's a lot here, but we see this, this gentleman coming up. And you notice, when Jesus is brought in, the religious leaders, at least in this part of the story, are nowhere to be found. They may be there, they may be walking around, they may be teaching, but God is not revealed to them, and they fail to notice and realize who this is right here. And so he comes in, and there's this, this gentleman, and it says about him that he is righteous and devout, that he's waiting for the consolation of Israel, okay? So he understands that this king is going to come and is going to make Israel what it was supposed to be. Hey, and he's waiting for that. And the Holy Spirit had told him that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah come. Now, can you imagine what Simeon must have thought every day? This elderly guy going into the temple wondering, is today the day that I'm going to see this king that's supposed to come? And what happens and however it happens we don't know but the holy spirit is on him and we're going to see this theme and we'll we'll flesh it out more later but the holy spirit is on uh simeon he comes in and you could just imagine the excitement that he brings in because he knows that today is the day and he goes over and he takes this little child and he sees this child and says share some things that are powerful here you see what he says jesus is the salvation of all nations to a light to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. Now, this would have been an unpopular statement if this would have been said out loud in the temple. Uh, the reason being is, even if, but if you look back, you know, let's go back way into the prophets, because they shared that when the Messiah would come, he would be a light to all people. But there had been some traditions that had gotten away in the meantime. And you read some literature of the Jews at this point in time. They would talk about how, yes, God is going to be the God of of, of all nations and, and of everybody, but he's going to destroy the Gentiles and torture them and do all these terrible things first so that everybody sees that we're right. Because we've been here around here longer. We've, that's what we're about. We understand that we have Abraham. We're descendants of him. We understand that we have the old law. And so you look at this is they would have really wrestled with this idea of that Jesus is a light to the Gentiles and a glory of Israel because the Israelites, at least the ruling authorities in Jesus' day, as being incompatible. Because what's good for Israel is not good for the Gentiles and vice versa. And so here you have Jesus saying, or Simeon sharing about Jesus. He's going to be a light to the Gentiles. He's going to be a glory to Israel. He's good for everybody. But Jesus will cause the rising and falling of many in Israel. Put yourself in the position of the religious leaders. They've been around there a long time. 
they had had gone to the best schools, had had the best education, and had walked through um, all of of what it was it meant to to follow God. And here comes this Jesus guy in here later, and he's teaching in a way that appeals to the people because he's sharing that you can come as you are and receive the forgiveness of sins. Well, the religious leaders, oh, wait a minute, Uh, they wrestle with that because they realize that that is going to cause them to lose power, they're going to have to leave their comfort zones, and that's not going to be okay with them. And so that's what he's talking about, this rising and falling of many, because God's kingdom is going to look different than what people anticipate it's going to look like. When you continue on there in the next few verses, Simeon isn't the only elderly person that realizes something special is happening here. Look at verse 36. There is also a prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, praying and fasting, coming up to them at that very moment. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. And so we don't know what Anna says, but here she comes and she sees Simeon holding this child. She comes up and says, wait, wait a minute, this child is going to be wonderful. She speaks, again, we don't know her words, but this is what we know about her, is that she worshipped, fasted, and prayed, and that was her life. She was a widow, had been a long time, and when her husband had passed away, she decided, I'm going to give my best to God, I'm going to dedicate to him. And she used whatever she had in order to be a blessing for God's kingdom in this way. You can imagine that Anna would have been one of those, those people that maybe the religious leaders didn't even realize who she was. Maybe they did. Who knows? We don't know. That's all speculation. But you can imagine the common people coming into the, the temple and realizing, oh, there's Anna. She always has something wonderful to say. She always is a blessing. And she goes day in, day out, always doing great things. And you notice that Jesus, or God, allows Jesus to appear and to be known, even though he's only a baby at this time, to these two people that are very different situation than the religious leaders. In fact, in the early parts of Jesus' life right here, what we see is the shepherds, Simeon and Anna, these people that are far, far outside of what would have been anticipated, the religious main culture. They're people that are unknown at their times, they're faithful in their times, and are used by God. I'm going to unpack that here just a little bit. There is... um, with Anna and Simeon, you can imagine, again, like I mentioned, who knows how well they were known by the religious elite, but they were not, in the indicator we give, part of the religious elite. And the shepherds would not have been. But God saw, in his way, in his wisdom, to show something very powerful here. Here are some people that may not be at the top of the ladder. They may not be the ones that, that people look to as, oh, that's what I need to be. But they're people that are faithful where they're at, doing in whatever situation in life that they're given. And God uses them to show that instead of showing up at the temple and saying, Hey, Caiaphas, hey, you religious leaders, the Messiah is born, here he is. That God reveals to people that are quietly faithful wherever they're at. There's a pretty good message in that. And I think about, um, when we look at this, What does that mean for us? And how do we walk down this road? Because obviously the 
the poster children of, of what the religious leaders uh, wanted everybody to look like is very different than what we see here. How do we look like shepherds? How do we look like Simeon? How do we look like Anna? One of the things I, want, I think about with um, Simeon and Anna, it says they're both elderly and they're both, both um, raised up as, as being very honorable. Now, how many of you here would consider yourself young at this point in time? Okay, yeah, it's very ob- objective, isn't it? Or subjective, yeah. Uh, it depends. We define youth by how we feel inside. We define youth in all sorts of different ways. But there's a lot of people who are faithful people at some point in time in Scripture and at some point chose poorly and and their life ended up uh, walking away from God. We have a lot of examples of that. You and I know people that have made decisions that take them away from God because of distractions or whatever. But here you have two people that have gone long distances following God and making him the priority in their life, saying, it doesn't matter what else happens, it doesn't matter what anybody else does, I am going to be one who is faithful day in, day out, no matter what happens. And that's what happened. That's the, Simeon and Anna are fantastic examples for us in that. So I think further, let me give a, this here. How many of you have been to our church Facebook page or website at some point in time, yeah. Uh, good tools. There's a phrase that's on there that says, sharing the abundant life of Jesus. And I've pondered that phrase here the last few weeks. And there's something that's really powerful about this phrase to me. Because that's something that people see when they look up our Facebook page or our website, is, are these phrases. Sharing the abundant life of Jesus. Now, I look at Simeon and Anna and these shepherds in their very little way, in a very, very small way, just a fraction of of what we get to experience. They got to share in the abundant life of Jesus. They got to taste mercy. They got to taste the forgiveness of sins. They got to taste um, joy. In fact, that's what they go and they share. When they come face to face with Jesus, even before Jesus has done his greatest work, there's great joy that comes out because of that. Now look at us, uh, as I was driving by the the building here the other day. I think um, there was someone showed up again the other day because of the sign out front and was looking for spiritual help and spiritual guidance. And I got to spend some time with this young man trying to to help him instead of become bitter to embrace God and, and choose that direction. But I look at this growing community around us. Does anybody notice that there's a lot of houses being built? Does anybody notice that there's a lot of people moving here? Yeah. Subdivisions going up around. Yeah, I'm seeing your face like, oh, yeah, that's uh, happening. You know, it's amazing that whenever I talk with people, that is a theme that comes up a lot. Boy, Belgrade, this whole valley is so different than it used to be. We can see the expansion. We can see growth happening. Isn't that amazing? And sometimes it's met with a perspective of, of if a person's been here long saying, I remember when there were three houses here and it was quiet and it's not anymore. And others saying, There's, this is tremendous. Look at all the jobs. Look at all the opportunities that are here. And it's amazing how I think there's more people from Libby here than there are in Libby, by the way. You know, Sylvia and I were at an event yesterday afternoon, and there was someone sitting, a few uh, people down from us that grew up in Libby. We're all over the place. Because there's opportunity here and there's jobs here that there are not in other places in Montana. We have this growing community, we have this building that is here, this ideal location that people drive by and see all the time. They see the sign, and their hearts are touched 
by that. We have a faithful foundation. Now, there's a lot of people. Some of you have been here a long time. Some of us haven't been here that long. But a tremendous foundation of faithfulness. And when I look around, I think, what am I doing to share the abundant life of Jesus with the people around me? And I hope that's a question that all of us ask every day. What am I doing to share the abundant life of Jesus that I know, that I experience, that I love with this wonderful faith community? What am I doing in order to make sure that I can bring other people in and share that message with them? There's lots of us, lots of ways that we can do that. Demonstrating joy, demonstrating mercy, demonstrating peace in our lives and saying, look and come what I've Come and look what I've seen and what I've become a part of. I want you to know what this Jesus guy is all about because he has done so much for me and my community of faith has done so much for me. The church that I'm a part of has done so much. I want you to be a part of this as well. Now, you may not say it that way. You'd say it in different ways. People are in different places in life. But every one of us can plant seeds day in, day out and share in this abundant life of Jesus and share it with the other people around us. The shepherds, Simeon and Anna, are fantastic examples of that for us. And we're going to look at Mary and Joseph and who they are as people next week and how they parented, and we're going to walk through that. But I pray, my prayer for all of us, and hopefully all of us, and pray this, is that we're about sharing the abundant life of Jesus with whoever we come in contact with. If you'd like to become a Christian today or you'd like prayers, our elders are going to be waiting in the back, and uh, they'll be glad to, to pray with you and walk through life with you. Let's stand and sing together.